Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, as per usual, is the one, the only Mr. Akshaz Tovadula. Akshaz, man, how are things? Pretty good, Robert. Um, you know, life's going along. There's no football news except for everything everyone artificially manufactures, which is, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, excited to get into summer. Weather's nice, especially for all of you in the Bay Area. Summers are great. For those of you not in the I, I, Bay Area, <laughs> eh, I mean, tough luck. But. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, 85 degrees here today, so that was cool. Um, we, we, we actually have had a fairly mild June to start things off. It's been, you know, in the, like, 70s. Um, but this week has uh, decided to to be like yeah just kidding um yeah you're you're going to hit the wrath of uh, of the summertime uh here pretty soon so that that'll be fun um it'll be in the 90s and and hundreds you know here before too terribly long so that'll be loads of fun um but yeah as you as you mentioned not not a whole lot going on um the the the, this is the like the the 60 day period where basically nothing is going on or not even that I think it's like 40 days or something like that um, where basically nothing is going on in the NFL barring maybe some minor free agent moves and that sort of thing but it you know most teams rosters are set you know they got out of out of OTAs and mini camps which the Niners finished like what about 10 days ago or so or something like that it, it was it was they cut them short. Um, you know, they allot them three weeks of OTAs. They usually use two and then have a couple of days of mini camp and then send everybody home. Um, so they're done with that. Everybody's, you know, home and hopefully keeping up and, and staying out of trouble and keeping up with the, the cardio and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll see them again in July. But that means we don't we don't have a lot of like. Like really specific things to talk about, but we can we can think about, you know, the future and what what is uh, what's it going to look like. Um, and of course, uh, when we talk about what is going to happen next, of course, that conversation begins with uh, the quarterback situation. 
Um, and specifically Brock Purdy, who, um, according to Kyle Shanahan, appears to at the very least be on track and maybe possibly ahead of schedule um, to uh, from where he would be. Um, and that time frame, if he's even a little bit ahead of schedule, would put him in kind of the like mid-August time frame instead of the late August time frame, which of course when a season when their first game starts uh, or ha- is happening on September the 10th, the earlier into August that he can be like ready to go full tilt, the the better. So, what do you, what do you think, Akshay? Is, is is are, are we getting are we making too big a deal out of this, or is this kind of an important thing? I think it's an important thing because. I think so really short term, obviously Brock Purdy is QB one. And if the Niners are sticking to that completely, then you want him to get some run in training camp just to like kind of sort things out, go through the kinks, go through the motions. You know, we're expecting one thing that I think people kind of don't think about with Brock Purdy. And this is to his testament is how well he played last year. He was a rookie and he made some, Rookie mistakes last year. He wasn't perfect by any means. He was just really, really good at doing what he needed to do. So you kind of want to give him a chance to get at least some part of an offseason to kind of make those improvements, focus on himself, fix some parts of himself, and kind of, you know, especially in the mental side of the game where I think Purdy's biggest improvements will have to come just because he unfortunately does not have the most gifted physical tools to harness. He's already doing a lot with what he has to offer. So it's all about just becoming a better processor. And the more you can see, I mean, we've talked about this for three years now, basically because of Trey Lance, you got to just get reps as many as you can in every situation. And the more reps for the 49ers QB one, that's a good thing. Long-term, I think there's a whole discussion about like, it, how it plays into how Trey Lance can be evaluated on this roster, and if that's even a thing that can happen, if Purdy mm-hmm. is back and healthy enough to actually play in week one, like there's no qualms, no concerns whatsoever. But I think it's an important thing for sure. It kind of like a lot of questions get answered if Purdy comes back sooner, but a lot more bigger picture questions kind of end up in the air and that's kind of been the story of the 49ers quarterback situation ever since they drafted Lance that that that's true um I mean it's kind of interesting because you wonder if he would have even seen much of the field in the preseason if he had been fully healthy because like you said he was coming off a rookie season and while he was the he would have been the presumptive starter and probably would have been working through most of training camp um, I mean, if you think last year when when Trey Lance was the presumptive starter, he didn't see a lot of time in the preseason. So you kind of think that they would have followed the same um, blueprint with with Purdy. But now there's a pretty good possibility that he won't even be like fully cleared until the preseason is pretty much over and done and dusted um, or at least close to it. Maybe. I mean, I guess there's a possibility that when we get into that sort of mid to late August time period, we'll get towards the the last preseason game. Um, which I think is like two weeks before the season starts or something like that. Um, that might be the clearing point, but there's no way in the world they're throwing him out there in the in the preseason for nothing. Um, this 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 question just sort of popped into my head. So you, you noted you, you said you know mentioned something about Trey Lance and his development. Do you think he sees the field 
during preseason? And if so, how much? Or do you think they end up just kind of running Sam Darnold and Brandon Allen out there and kind of letting it letting the chips fall where they may kind of thing? This is a this is a great question, I think, because I have two answers. The answer I want to give and that I think should happen and I hope will happen is that I think Lance gets a lot of run. I think when he was QB2, with there was like a competition, but also not really, but also there was with him and Garoppolo that first year. They mm. were pulled. Everything was just like really weird and up in the air. And that was kind of the whole point was that you wanted to see Lance get runs to really see if he could challenge Garoppolo. But you also wanted to protect him because they had that two QB idea. But I think this year, if Purdy is, especially Purdy gets cleared and he's on schedule, to not play Lance in the preseason for an extended period of time, I think is just an almost nail in the coffin for him as a player because he just has to get reps. Now, can I see Kyle Shanahan with his general distaste of the preseason <laughs> play, doing something where Lance maybe gets two quarters if you add everything up over the three games? Absolutely. But I think that's a disservice to him as a player. Yeah. And I think especially if there is a legitimate competition for QB2, which I cannot believe there is, but you know, <laughs> yeah. they paid Sam Darnold enough to make it so. And I think for sure you have to give Lance more run because you're kind of – you create this weird cycle. If you, if you constantly ding him for not being polished enough, not being ready, but you don't give him the reps to, like, polish himself, you know, if Lance wasn't a first-round pick with, like, a massive trade package to pick him, this would be, like, the age-old story of, like, projects. It happens, and this is, like, an unfortunate scene. But the Niners have invested so much in him, it seems insane to me that they would use the same kind of approach. And last year they didn't, obviously. The whole point was that he'd get the full season of live game reps. But, you know, things unfortunately didn't work out that way. And now he really is put in this kind of precarious situation. So I'm hoping he gets a lot of run. But I could see Brandon Allen leading the league in the preseason in yards and attempts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. And it is a kind of a weird position for him to be in because, as you said, he need he needs the reps, and that's true. But also, given what happened with the quarterback situation last year, you got to think that Shanahan's a little gun shy about throwing him out there too much because, at the very least, I think he wants Purdy and Lance to be in the building, right? And then probably Sam Darnold is probably going to end up making this team more than likely given the financial um, capital that they invested in, in him. And they, they've kept three quarterbacks for forever. And I, I think again, thinking about what happened last year, um, they want to make sure that they have three quarterbacks that they feel like they can win with. Um, if the situation were to uh, <laughs> reveal itself in that way, again, let's, let's hope that, doesn't, that never happens again. Cause that was just terrifying. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of weird because he definitely needs to play like it, it would. You could make the case that he needs like a full game's worth of reps in the preseason, like not one game at a time. But he needs to play a half in in the first game and then a quarter in each in the other two games or something like that. Just to just to get out there and, and run the offense and 
and you also have to think, keep in mind, it's been a really long time since he's played football. He went out in week two of last year, so he hasn't really played real out, you know, true football in an actual game, even though it's the preseason for a long time. Um, and so just getting him acclimated back to things will also be helpful in that regard. Um, so I think if it were me, I would give him a full game. But then the problem is if it truly is a competition with him and Sam Darnold, then also Darnold needs a full game. Um, and then Brandon Allen kind of gets the scraps, right? Which that's, that's probably fine. I think that's probably the ideal way that that should work. Um, will it work that way? I don't know. I think you're probably right that Brandon Allen ends up playing like more than half of the preseason, but who knows? And I, and I think part of that has to do again with just the fact that they're nervous about either of the either Lance or Darnold getting hurt. And then you're left with a quarterback coming off a major elbow surgery. Um, another guy who's out injured now and another guy who is, <laughs> I don't know, on the brink of injury at any given moment. I don't know. Um, so that's I, that would kind of be my thought on what that would look like. That's a good point. I think it's an insane thing because the 49ers have been like cursed with bad quarterback health to the point where like you at no point could you like say that Shanahan's fear isn't un, is like unreasonable because it's happened like right. Every <laughs> More year. than once. But no other team in the NFL is protecting their second string and third string quarterback this much. Correct. Correct. Because this is this is not like a like it's an insane it's an insane position they're in. But I'm totally with you. I think I think Darnold might actually be the so this also goes into like my general idea of how they've approached the quarterback room is that they have Purdy, who's the quarterback one. Then they have Darnold, who's like the veteran option. The quality <laughs> of that option, I don't know. We can. Yeah. That's a different discussion altogether. And then Lance becomes like the develop, the developmental quarterback, who's like there to like build up, who has like upside per se. And I think within reason, that's kind of been the kind of archetypes of quarterbacks they've kept in their rosters, obviously the types of quarterbacks they've had around have always been different and the names have been different. But last year, Lance Garoppolo Purdy is a perfect example of that. And I just think in every other preseason, the third option has been given the chance to like, to really, really like get reps. And it's been important that Shanahan left this because a player who's not going to play in the regular season needs the preseason and training camp to actually like get better. That's when training camp is when you get better because during the season you're filling in roles and doing scout team and essentially doing game prep a week to week. It's no longer developmental. That's kind of on the side. So I just think they are backing themselves into a corner with Lance and just this quarterback situation in general, where they're running out of time to get the reps they need to evaluate Lance. And at this point, the picks that have already been spent are sunk cost. I don't think they care anymore. That means anything to them. So it just becomes, they have really like a year or two at most to make a decision and not playing him makes that decision so much harder. Right. And 
I think the or, worst. Or easier, depending on how you look at it, I suppose. Um, In a way. Because um, if the if the plan and not sorry not to not to interrupt your thought there, but if the plan is eventually to if the plan is Brock Purdy and that goes well this year, then isn't there a likely chance that they just, I mean, they're not going to pay Trey Lance, whatever the fifth year option for the number three overall pick is to be the pack of quarterback. Are they, I mean, at that point you either got to go to them and say, Oh, look, we're not going to pick up the fifth year option. Like, do you want to work something out to stay here as the backup? Or do you just want to like, or what do you want to do? Like, <laughs> so I think in some ways I, I see what you're saying. Like it does make it harder to know if he's any good, but it, or if he can do the job. But it also makes it pretty easy to make the decision and just be like, "Hey, sorry, this worked out differently. We expected it to go, and this is where we are now." Um, so that would be weird, huh? Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I think that's the issue. It's like the worst case situation. I think the 49ers have. In the entire land situation, from when they drafted him, is that they never actually got a chance to figure out if he's any good. And now, this is obviously us, like, from our perspective, on the outside. We don't see every practice. We don't see these things. For all you know, the 49ers have evaluated Lance already, and they basically think, he's fine, but he's not good enough. So we're not going to – they basically do the what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo or any quarterback under this – regime, which is essentially, if you're not the guy, and they have figured out you're not the number one best option, incredible, we can't upgrade, then you're just like a guy in the system, and you'll always be someone they can try to work around or upgrade or do better at. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a very, that's like a shrewd way of building a roster, but (laughs) if we look back in four or five years, at the 2021 draft and at Trey Lance. And our answer to what, to the question of did the Niners make a good pick is that is no, because we have no idea if Lance is any good or not. And he never played. I think that's a worse answer to the question than no, because he was really bad or because he just wasn't cut out to be a starting quarterback because the player Lance is, was a pick for what he could be which is basically a guy like Patrick Mahomes, this physical specimen who is capable of changing games. And if you never found out if he could be that, let alone whether he is that or isn't that, but if you never were able to figure out like what he was and what you had to work on, then it's like, what was the point of even getting into the business of drafting a rookie quarterback? But you know, that's a, (laughs) that's a, that's a different discussion that I think will come around once. we finally figure out Trey Lance's <laughs> Niners tenure. And and made all the stranger by the fact that they appear to at least, and obviously it's a, an eight game sample or nine game sample or eight and a half or whatever it is. Um, they appear to have hit better on the last pick in the draft the following year. <laughs> better. That's, that seems to be working out more um, than their third pick in, in, in the year before the previous year. Um, so that's kind of a strange thought. Uh, of course there's, there's also like the doomsday way of looking at it. And it's like, okay, well, what if Purdy was just a flash in the pan last year and Lance also turns out to not be the guy. And then, then, then we're in real trouble. I think that's like the worst case doomsday scenario of the whole thing. Right. <laughs> it's just like 
Purdy, Purdy was good. He had one good half season because the NFL didn't know what to do with him. And then that was the end of it. And he sort of fell off a cliff. And, and then it turned out that Trey Lance wasn't actually not only wasn't he not Patrick Mahomes, which is not a fault because very few people are, um, but he wasn't even, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> so there we go. Um, sorry to bring up that terrible, horrible thought, but it's 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 got to be, you know, it's in play, certainly uh, for this team. Tim Kawakami has a great idea on that, and I'm just only mentioning this because I think he did a mailbag and someone asked this very question. And his point essentially was just that the reason he doesn't think Purdy is a flash in the pan is because Shanahan, before the season started, wanted at some point to play Purdy. Like right, he, right, right. Shanahan thought Purdy was good enough to like get on the field. So well, Shanahan wasn't surprised by what Purdy did. Now Shanahan can also just like be wrong. That <laughs> happens more often than not in some when it comes to player evaluation. But I think there was something there that he thinks he can work with, and that that's a little more encouraging for a baseline level of play, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that he that they they paid not Nate Sudfeld money to be the backup quarterback and guaranteed money on his contract. And then Purdy was good enough for them to just be like, actually, we're just going to eat a million bucks and you can be gone and we're going to get this kid on the on the roster. That worked out. <laughs> um, all right. So one final QB question for you, Akshay, is how do you think this the QB room ends up shaking out in terms of um, I mean, we're I think we're both assuming who the, the guy at the top is. Uh, um, but how does the rest of it shake out, do you think? Um. I think so. What I think it'll happen is Purdy, if he's healthy, which I think he'll be, I think he'll play the entire season out because I'm not manifesting an injury at all. No way. Yeah. Not yeah, even mentioning it. <laughs> I think Purdy will play the season out. And I think this is not even me being optimistic per se because I think this is a downgrade from how well he played last year. I think he'll be like a fringe Pro Bowl quarterback because. You don't have to do too much with the weapons on this team right. to get great numbers. I think Lance and Darnold will both be on the roster, and I think Brandon Allen will be the veteran fourth quarterback on the practice squad as like a fallback option. And I just think, I think the best-case scenario in the immediate short term will happen, which is that this whole discussion about the quarterback room seems kind of like unnecessary at the end of the year simply because everything will be like relatively normal now do i know how well this will all play out in the future not really and i can't really think of a way it'll play out because i think the 49ers regime is quite willing to let players get pushed aside and you know kind of like give the opportunity to the guy who's excelling. A great example, not quarterback, obviously, Diamador Lenoir was mm-hmm. not playing. He was not starting up until week seven or eight or when Emmanuel Mosley got hurt. That was Sam Womack. Four, I believe, or five. Yeah, <laughs> right. That was there Lenoir, before Manny went down. Oh, oh boy. Sad. He got that opportunity to be the nickel cornerback when Jimmy Ward was out because he beat Sam Womack for the position. And then that allowed him to kind of like move into a new role 
when Mosley went down because he beat Ambry Thomas. But Lenora was not playing well. He got, like, benched bench last year. We have to remember two years ago. Like, yeah. he was the starter, and they were like, this is not working out. This is not happening. Ambry Thomas got in. Thomas didn't play really well, but the fact is that in almost every position, the Niners are willing to let someone else kind of take over. Even defensive tackle with Kinlaw, you know, you'd think Javon Kinlaw, 14th overall pick, gets in there, just stays there. No, they, what's it called? He wasn't playing well, so they rotated him out quite a bit, and now they brought a new guy in. And yep. I think that's a... That's the only reason why there's no way of knowing what they'll do at quarterback because <laughs> they if they think they need someone else to play, they'll play someone else. True, true. Yeah, um, totally in totally agree with you in terms of who the three are. And if you want to see who the rest of uh, the roster that I predict, I just uh, released on Niner Noise uh, earlier this week a um, post mini camp and OTA 53 man roster. Um, projection, you know, I like to do that. It's fun. It's a fun thing to do. Um, sometimes it's a, a interesting exercise in counting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's a, sometimes I cheat a little bit, but you'll, you'll, you can go see the rest of the roster, check it over, check it out over, uh, ninernoise.com and you can see that and other works, both from Agshaz and myself and other fine writers on the, on our, on our staff. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's stop talking about the quarterbacks because we could talk about them until we're blue in the face. Um, so one um, idea that you brought up when we were talking about what what kinds of things that we want to talk about at this point. Um, so you mentioned um, the the sort of uh, potential for a not a, not a, m- a mega blockbuster trade, but a a trade for a veteran edge rusher who might have run his course out of his current team, maybe a guy that wouldn't cost a terribly large amount of, uh, of capital, which of course is good because the Niners don't have a ton of early uh, draft capital that might make that work. Um, and you brought up a couple of names, uh, Daniil Hunter, who is uh, currently with the Minnesota Vikings and I believe entering the final year of his contract. And um, Chase Young, who's with the Washington Commanders, um, I'm not sure what his is he entering his fifth year option season. Is that where he is at this point, um, or is this year they, four for Chase Young? They declined his fifth year option. That's right. So this will be his final year. So this will be year four of yes, and he doesn't, and then he'll be a free agent. So. Um, yep. Good. Okay. So this was this is kind of your uh, pit, your starting point, Akshay. So I'll let you kind of uh, run the show on this one. So what 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 kind of things were you thinking about uh, as it relates to these two guys? Well, so I just wanted to kind of I think we should address the rumors. Obviously, that both these players could potentially want out this season, and then discuss whether they're an option, what the cost would be. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because the answer is, I think the rumors are true. And yes, 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 obviously the 49ers should be all over getting Daniel Hunter or Chase Young onto this roster. And I think players like this are typically, there's always a weird kind of understanding with a player like Chase Young, for example, has like a crazy name rep because he was second overall pick 
rookie of the year, played really well. Some people said, oh, he's probably a better prospect than Nick Bosa. Like, there was a lot of hype about him as an edge rusher. And Daniel Hunter has been very good for very long. But these are players that fit this really interesting kind of mold of contract situation kind of means they're in a state of limbo. And the teams that have them aren't necessarily capable of keeping them around at the price they want. And a great example is fellow former Vikings defensive end, Zedarius Smith, wanted a new contract and got traded to the Browns for a couple of day three picks. And I think if the 49ers, who are really good about replenishing their roster with the compensatory pick system and just always have a churn of picks coming and going, and choosing which free agents to bring back or which ones to not. I think they, out of any team who's like a really, really solid Super Bowl contending team, have not really entered the world of the high-priced veteran trade market, which is pretty interesting to me. It's one of those places they just don't seem to engage with. You know, Stephon Gilmore this year was traded to the Cowboys for like a fifth or sixth round pick, if I remember correctly. Now, none of these players are particularly at their peak level, but these are really high-quality players who can make a difference on a team. And the Niners never seem to be involved with these trades. So I just think if we look at the defensive line now, Bosa is incredible. He will be better next year. Hargrave (laughs) is also incredible, probably the third best defensive tackle in the league when it comes to pass rushing. Armstead, you know, a lot of people love him, a lot of people hate him, but if he's your fourth best like defensive linesman, you have an incredible defensive line going. Yeah. But you have the like issue on the edge where we have Drake Jackson who's bulking up but really needs to like show that he can take that next step. Austin Bryant agent signing and then Clutton Farrell who is best known for being the fourth overall pick in a draft that had Nick Bosa, (laughs) Max Crosby I think Josh Allen and Brian Burns so like you know there's not a whole lot there and yeah and there's also um ah, the rookie that they got um out of oh Robert Beal yeah Robert Beal yeah like, there's just – this is not like – the 49ers are entering their the prime of their championship contention. Because if Brock Purdy is as good as he was, or even if he's slightly worse, that's cost certainty at quarterback that gives you the leeway to pay a bunch of different positions as quickly as you can. And they've paid a bunch of positions. They're, like, splurging on talent everywhere else because they know their quarterback is cheap but they still have enough space to add another guy. And if you get Hunter or you get young, especially if you get young, you're not going to give him another contract. Like that's the important thing. I think in this discussion is that Chase Young and Daniel Hunter are not going to get their new contracts with the 49ers because the whole point is that this is like the supersized version of the signing Arden key or signing oh my God, I'm blanking right now. Or like trading for Charles Amenahu kind of right. moves. Yeah. This is like, you pay a little more, but you get a lot more. And then the pick, instead of being a fifth round, sixth round comp pick, it's a third round comp pick because, you know, they're getting these types of deals. 
So that's my general spiel on it. I just think it's so not typical of the 49ers, which makes me like very sad and frustrated because obviously <laughs> you want it to be like, this is the type of thing you want them to get in the action on. But these, like both these guys, Hunter's way more polished than Young, but Young, if you get him in Corsac's lab, essentially, like the sky's the sky's the limit for how great they are. And if you make them the second best edge rusher or third best rusher overall on a team, and you're telling me that offensive lines have to put their right tackle or left tackle, whichever one's worse, isolated against one of these guys with three other rushers coming, Nick Bosa hunting you down, Hargrave tearing things up in the middle, and Fred Warner just like on a blitz because why not? That's like, this is this is better. I, I'm willing to say it. That would be better than 2019 in terms of pass rush. But one yeah. of these guys in the fold. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, well, I think mostly because you'd be able to count on, well, considering if, if assuming you could count on their health, because that was the the issue with 2019 is the D Ford was inconsistent in terms of being able to stay on the field all the time. Um, so a couple of thoughts about that. Do you know off the top? I was trying to figure this out while you were talking. Um, if they if they made the trade, the 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 previous teams are still responsible for most of, like, like L like certain elements of that contract do you know are you do you know how that works <laughs> like the the pre like the vikings would be would be responsible for everything except for the like the base base salary is that how that how trade works do you know i off need to of off the top of my head i know that i think the way it works is that are any signing bonuses that for like a contract that ends this year Go are paid by the original team. So the yeah. bonuses are held onto the cap of the original team. And it's just the payments that will come after the trade that go onto the cap of the acquiring team. So like if Hunter's guaranteed salaries are all paid off already or yeah, will be paid, but then, they are, yeah, they, then he's, they're just, gone as of two years ago. Um, he has no I guaranteed money left on his contract. Yeah. So, I'm pretty sure his cap hit on the 49ers would be like 5 million. It's yeah. 4.9 is his base salary. So I think that's probably what it would be. Um, And then with chase young, it's like a million (laughs) dollars. Yeah. Because rookie deals are really weird like that. If I remember correctly, this is also full disclosure. Half of this knowledge is because of playing Madden. Half of this is (laughs) because I've like looked into it, but this is also because when you play and you trade and you know, yeah, you learn yeah, things. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I'm fu- I'm fully on board with with either move. Obviously, the thing to be concerned about with Chase Young is that he has yet to play a complete season um, in his NFL career, and he is heading in, well, let's say the wrong direction. 
um, in terms of games played. So he played 15 games in his rookie season, uh, missed one game due to injury. He played nine games in his second season um, and then three last year. Um played in three games and was injured in two of those games. <laughs> uh, he also missed or he missed two additional games when he was on the roster and was inactive. So um, that's cool. Uh, he was also a healthy scratch for one game uh, in 2022. So he was that's it's, it's really good to hear. Um, so that's concerning, right? Because you got to look at that and, and say, OK, well, he was the number two overall pick. And he's played in what's that less than 30 games, I think, um, and during his NFL career um, and only has um, what's that? That is uh, not less than 10 sacks uh, so far in his NFL career, including none in his three games for last season. Um, and, and to be honest, his even his rookie season was not terribly efficient. It was seven and a half sacks. That was where most of his sacks came from in 15 games. Um, now, you hope he's 24 years old. Um, as you said, you get him into, into the the lab with Chris Kosarek and you hope the tools come out um, and you hope maybe because uh, there was some overlap with him and Bosa, I would imagine, um, during their time at Ohio State. So maybe they know each other. Maybe that helps a little bit um, or at least the camaraderie of they're both being former Buckeyes. That kind of thing might help. Who knows? Um, and so certainly from a from a a spending point of view, Chase Young seems to make the most sense, right? Because he's going to cost the least, both in terms of money that they'll have to pay him. And probably the commanders are not going to have a lot of leverage, uh, considering that they declined his fifth year option. Um, so, you know, maybe you can get him for like a, a fifth <clears throat> round pick or something like that. Um, Daniel Hunter might be a little bit more expensive because he's a, a more proven player, right? Um, his, his numbers are significantly better, um, than, uh, than Chase Young's, uh, specifically in terms of games played. Uh, he missed two games his rookie season back in 2015, and then he was out, uh, for 10 games in 2021. Um, but other than that, he's, he's stayed pretty healthy. Um, and he had 10 and a half sacks last season in 17 games, uh, which, uh, is, his worst season, which is six sacks, which is twice, um, is nearly Chase Young's best season. Oh, by the way, one of those worst seasons came in 2021 when he only played seven games. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now, obviously, either guy would have the benefit of playing opposite Nick Bosa and next to Javon, Javon sorry, Hargrave and Eric Armstead. Um, and the rest of that defensive line. And I'm sure those numbers are going to increase because it's really what you're looking for, right? Is somebody who can take advantage of the fact that they're going to be single. There's, they're going to be single covered most of the time. Right. And if you make that guy significantly more talented, then it's going to be even harder for the rest of the team or for the, for the opposing offense to to do anything about it. I, I completely agree. I think you're, you're right that like, I think Young is more what the Niners might be looking for. <clears throat> because he's, he's the reclamation all... project. That's, that's exactly. They love it. <laughs> A little more high-end than where the Niners typically shop. But it's there's like he's he has the draft pedigree, which I think matters a lot. And more importantly, if Young has 
a phenomenal year with the 49ers. Hypothetically, he gets traded here. He's the type of player who a general manager will give a huge contract to because he can be that type of edge rusher. It's, I don't think this is like a – so like Charles Amenehu, which is a great – who's a great example for all this because Amenehu has played like – played incredibly for the 49ers. And a lot of what held him back from getting like the type of recognition he needed was kind of the fact that he wasn't a quote-unquote starter and also the fact that he had a rather like minuscule draft pedigree. But he still got like $10 million a year from the Chiefs, if I remember correctly, because he played really well. If you get a guy like Chase Young in the Niners system, he might get like – not going to say Bosa money, but <laughs> she could get up there in the market. And yeah, somebody I think will, somebody will talk themselves into giving him a lot of money based on one and season. I, and that's a huge deal because that's the comp pick. And the comp pick, I think, changes everything because now, as opposed to like trading, let's say Young is like two fifths and a seventh. I don't even know if that's reasonable. That might be too much. That might be too little. Who knows? Who knows anything that's going on with the commanders, honestly, based on <laughs> the sale and hey, whatever. <clears throat> but if you're you're basically giving two fifths and a seventh for like a twenty twenty five third round pick and you get a year of Chase Young, that's a really good deal. Like that's that is a great trade for the 49ers. And I think that's why I think Young is the option they go towards. But I think if they want the best team right now, Hunter's the player to go for because he's phenomenal. And he's just, you, it's less about like, what can you improve with him? But more about, is he going to be healthy? And is he just going to like take advantage of being on the 49ers? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm right. I'm, I'm definitely right there with you. Um, I think, Again, Chase Young's issue is that he can't keep himself on the field. Um, so maybe if he's able to do that, the opportunity would come um, for him. Because there's certainly, if he was on the 49ers defensive line, um, there would certainly be opportunities for him to take advantage of, of you know, single matchups against the team's worst worst offensive linemen or the opposition's worst offensive linemen and things like that. Um, so you know, I'm I I think. And this will be a trade, obviously, that will come later into training camp if it does happen, because they have to see a little bit more of what they have in the guys that they have in the building. Um, and obviously, they want Drake Jackson to work out, but he's probably in a position where it would be good for him to not be like, oh, you're the second, you're the starting edge rusher opposite Nick Bosa, no questions asked kind of thing, because um, he didn't really get a chance to do the thing last year that would have been great for him which would have just been like all right you're the situational pass rusher guy for all for the entire season because he didn't he just didn't have he just ran out of gas towards the end of the year and just wasn't able to 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 kind of stay on the field um and so maybe this year if they can put somebody else in that spot um who who kind of has a proven track record and then allows drake jackson to kind of get in there when the situation allows and and then all of a sudden you you got something going because um, it would be interesting what they could do with that. Like, is, can Daniil Hunter or Chase Young be like a? Can we get like a NASCAR package out there with 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 Bosa and Hargrave and one of those guys, and then Drake Jackson, and have all four of them just rush the passer and just see what happens. <laughs> Good luck. 
to you is what I would say. Opposing offense, that's what I would say to you. Um, Charles Amenehu, by the way, uh, two years, 16 million with 10.6 guaranteed from the Chiefs. Um, Whoa. This off. Way off. I player. don't know why I thought it was three years. <laughs> well, the 10.6. Yeah, no, no, no. The 10.6 guaranteed, um, including 8.6 guaranteed at signing. So great job, Charles. Good for you. Um, all right. Any final thoughts on the on the edge rusher situation before we move on to the last topic for today? I mean, just to kind of re-echo the points you made about Drake Jackson, I think in an ideal world, he is that other guy because he's this great combination of speed and power that can play really well against Bosa. But I just don't know anymore. Like, I just think the 49ers are at a place in their championship contention window where if they've figured out that, like, pass rush is the place where we don't skimp and, like, we want only great players here. Like, this is where our bread and butter is, and we can get away with not having, like, an all-pro secondary because we have a great pass rush. Then I don't know if... Drake Jackson, Jackson is the answer to that. And I definitely don't know if you can go into it and have like Robert Beal or Clemon Farrell be the answer to that. If they are, that's great. But if that's your plan as a team is that right. well, hopefully one of these guys like figures it out, that's a bad, that's not going to work out well. And I think right. we saw in the playoffs the difference between the 49ers pass rush, which was like phenomenal by all accounts because of Nick Bosa and like a team that had actual high quality rushers everywhere in the Eagles who, even though like Purdy's arm got blown up on that strip (laughs) sack, the Eagles pressure was constant. Like you could tell that their pass rush was just better than the 49ers. Even if the Niners had the best player out of like both the defensive lines. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to be like we have the defensive player of the year, one of the best defensive tackles in football, another guy who's really good if he's your third option. And then like a edge rusher by committee opposite, you know, filling that other hole, which is basically what they tried to do last year. And it's so far, it seems like that's the plan again. Now, I think, as you say, the the real plan is. Hope one of these guys actually like grabs the the job by the scruff of the neck and says, this is mine. You can't give it to anybody else. Um, but the way they built it and frankly, the way that they've built it for the last couple of seasons, it's been all right. We're going to sign like four guys to one year deals and they're going to all do it together. <laughs> um, and, you know, they'll try to, to, to maybe get another modest mid tier couple of year salary in there too, like like they did with um his name is completely lost off off of my brain. Not a Menahu, but um Abicom? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Samson Abicom. It's just like here's a here's a kind of a mid tier, you know, two year contract or whatever, and that didn't work out either. So I I think I, I'm with you. I would like to see them get a little bit more aggressive with it. Um all right. Akta has one final thing to wrap up this um this episode and that question is is there a particular um because obviously we're, we're getting in as i said into the lull uh, um the lull of the off season the the one very rare time where the nfl is not like 
trying to get you to look at it. Um, and then we'll get into training camp in you know July, um, in about a month or so. Um, what is one can't either like position battle or story that you're looking forward to um, once training camp gets started that you're going to be watching out for in particular? I'll give you two because well, I'll give you one of each. <laughs> the, so story I'm interested in is I want to see how Jair Brown plays and kind of see if he can push Gibson. I don't think they expect him to, and I don't imagine him getting anything more than like three safety looks, but he is the heir apparent at free safety. I suppose that's how the 49ers would categorize it or like high safety as opposed to box safety. And I think that's really, it's really important that he plays well because Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart were like very good, underrated and definitely not world beaters, but Ward, especially very, very good. Tart really good. Ufanga is his own level of talented, and that's just a different world the 49ers are in. So Brown being being the next guy up, that's a huge deal. And camp battle, I'm looking for, I'm going to stay within the secondary. I am interested in Isaiah Oliver versus Sam Womack at nickel corner. Again, a large part because Jimmy Ward was really, really good at nickel corner. And my sense was from last year based off Womack in the preseason and just like overall that the 49ers felt really comfortable with him at that spot but it seems to me that they don't maybe don't feel so comfortable and Oliver has played as well as I think someone can play when you're in camp and you're not really when you're in like OTAs and mini camp and your pads aren't really on or not going 100 percent and Nickel corner is so important in this day and age, especially when you have a pass rush where teams are going to be looking to get the ball out quickly. Having someone who can lock out that first slot option when you play in a division with Cooper Cup, and now the Seahawks have three receivers they'll be rotating around. That's And, you know, the Eagles will put A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith in that big slot or in Smith's case, regular slot role. That's just such a that's such a huge deal to take care of. So I'm really interested in seeing if Womack gets a little bit of pressure there, or if Oliver's going to be going to be the guy. Yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking about um, Jair Brown as well, and whether or not he either a will be given the opportunity to take uh, the the starting safety role next to. Um, Hufanga, or if he will able be able to just sort of like force their hand, like he'll play so well um, during training camp and during the preseason that they'll just be like, well, what are we going to do? Like, we can't keep him on the field. Like, there's no option there. Um, that would obviously put Sean Gibson in an awkward position because his the downside for him is he he's he's not going to play special teams at this point, which means that he, if he gets beat for that position, that means he probably doesn't make the team, in which case he probably retires and that's it. Um, Cause it seemed like he was getting pretty close to, to calling it quits uh, anyway. So that will be very interesting to watch. Um, and obviously his maturation throughout this season. And because as you say, one way or the other, he is probably going to be the, the guy starting next to Fonga next year. Um, no matter what happens this year. So that's something to watch there. Um, the, the, the Womack and um, Isaiah Oliver thing is very interesting. You wonder if having Jimmy Ward, who's 
a little bit of a bigger guy compared to what they have had um, at the nickel corner. He's not like the tallest guy, but I think he's right around six feet. Um, and after having, you know, Kaylon Williams there, who's not not <laughs> a, a, a large guy um, for several seasons, they were able to move into a, a, a bigger um, slot corner just sort of out of pure oh well we don't really have a place for you at the safety so you gotta go do this and then jimmy ward was able to be really successful so you wonder if that had something to do with the isaiah oliver signing because he's a he's a he's even bigger than jimmy ward is um and so you gotta wonder if they're thinking about those teams that like to put larger guys in the slot and say okay well can we take advantage of this a little bit so that's an interesting one as well um but the one that strikes me is um, the right tackle situation. And um, obviously it seems to be Colton McKivitz's job to lose, but I, I, I don't want him to just get it by default. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he just, again, just takes it and says, okay, you guys said this is my job to lose, and but I'm not only not going to lose it, but I'm going to just win it outright. And there's not going to be any question about the fact that I'm the right guy for the position. Um, and so rather than having like a journeyman, like maybe Matt Pryor step in and have to take that role from him that Colton McKivich just said, Hey, I've been here a long time and I know what I'm doing and I'm going to step in and I'm gonna be the guy. So that would be my position, excuse me, my position to watch um, for the, for the, the training camp. Yeah. Right. Tackle is, I think I'm not, I'm paying less attention to that just because it seems like McKivitz is going to just get it right now. So that's one of those positions where you'd want them to get a little more like pressure there and kind of see what's going on and see if there's another player to take the position. But I don't know. I think I will say that the 49ers are pretty good in some ways about like picking a guy in the offensive line and just saying you're the guy and everyone gets upset and frustrated that they choose the guy and like 99% of the time he's just the guy it's that, just like banks works out. yeah yeah banks was <clears throat> a good example brendel was a good example mm-hmm. like they're not world beaters but you know i think the offensive line is in a sharp departure from shanahan's first years at the job it's one of those places where they kind of seem to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, credit to Chris Forrester, who's the offensive line coach and who does a, an excellent job with that group. Um, and as you said, just if you, all you got to do is look at Aaron Banks and Jake Brendel and go, oh, okay, yeah, I think they know what they're doing, right? <laughs> um, that seems to have worked out. Like, I mean, again, are they the best at their position in the in the league? No, but they're competent which sometimes with offensive line play is really all you can ask for, right? Competency. <laughs> Make sure you block the person in front of you, and then we're good. Like, that's all we need. And, you know, other small thing, it's going to be quite fascinating to see the entire universe of 49ers fans, now that Mike McGlinchey is not around, to be the scapegoat <laughs> of just. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we'll see now who the... Because there's always one. That's just the way it works is that when it comes to the offensive line or defensive line, people will just pick a starter and just be like, you're the worst player, obviously. <laughs> Everything is your fault. Because I think it's a natural scapegoating tendency. But right. 
I will say, I was a couple of year or two ago, I was watching the 49ers like 2017 with the Garoppolo game tape, and I Zane Beatles was the right tackle. <laughs> and watching that, I realized immediately why they drafted McGlinchey. And I was so grateful that McGlinchey was the starter because because Zane Beatles is terrible. It can it can get yeah yeah. Well, you said it, not me. I wasn't gonna. Was say Jordan, it, but was Jordan Debbie on that team too? Is that also the same team we said earlier? So. Ooh, man, yeah, we really had stuff stop complaining about yeah, offensive I mean, line play there. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> um, Best of luck to you guys. All right. Um, Akshaz, that, that was good. It was a good conversation about, uh, well, nothing really specific, but a lot of things all at the same time. Um, so uh, any final parting words before we uh, wrap this thing up? Yeah. Um, make sure to check out all the articles we'll be giving. I don't know if we, as in the podcast, will be running a bunch up until training camp. If there's big news, obviously, Check us and we'll have an episode for you. But otherwise, make sure to keep on looking at Niner Noise. Always great content there to get you through the dog days of the NFL offseason. 100% well said, as always, my friend. Um, And so for you out there in listener land, thanks for checking in on this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com, as Aksha has said for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn 49ers.